Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But there are some characteristics of the millennium that are uh, worth looking at right now, and I thought we could do that. The first thing is, is that it's going to be a time of, uh, of the resurrection of the just. We know that there's going to be a resurrection. We call it the first resurrection. The first resurrection is actually, a, uh, it comes in phases or stages. It's the first resurrection. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Who will be on the earth in the millennium? Even after the rapture and the vast judgments of the Great Tribulation, there will be many people left on the earth. It says in the book of Matthew chapter 25 that Jesus will judge those who survived the Great Tribulation in the judgment of the nations. This is not a judgment unto salvation, but a judgment of moral worthiness and entrance into the millennial kingdom of Jesus. The unworthy will be sent into eternal damnation, and the worthy will be allowed in Jesus' millennial kingdom. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. The devil confined on the earth to be just here. He can roam. Right now he's got mobility, but there's coming a time when his mobility is going to be hampered and diminished. Notice that this angel has the key to the bottomless pit. The word is the abyss, the abuso. It is the place of the wicked, the wicked spirits, the very abode of the demons and the devil himself. And this is a place where he is going to be confined. He is going to be confined, and this angel has a great chain. Again, we don't know if it's a physical chain. It doesn't really matter what it's made of. It could be like Wonder Woman. It could be that that gold band, you know. Who knows what it is? But whatever it is, it is going to be sufficient to shackle this being who has tormented millions and billions of people, trillions of people in his diabolical career. He's going to be shackled by this angel. If you remember in Job, what does it say in Job? It says there was a day when the, and this is the oldest book in the Bible, we believe. Now there was a day when the sons of God, these angels, uh, fallen angels actually, came to present themselves before the Lord to give an account. And Satan also was among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered, you know, I'm going to and fro on the earth, walking and walking back and forth on it. And the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? You've been looking pretty hard, Satan. Have you considered the, the man who I, I, I deem as a trophy of my love and grace? 
a man who eschews evil. He, he turns away from evil. There is none like him in all the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Have you considered him? And I can imagine if Job heard that conversation going on, he'd be like, don't choose me. Pick somebody else. But God knew the end of the story, didn't it? Is he omniscient? Does he know all things? I think he does. Did he know the end of Job? Yes, he did. He knew what was going to happen on the other side of the trials and the tribulations that were going to be coming upon Job. And God allowed it. He allowed it. And what happened? You know, God allowed Satan to just wreak havoc on his family. He allowed him to. And even to touch his body, he said, but you can't kill him. Notice the limits, the limitations. Even right now, the devil is like a, a dog on a leash. He can only do so much, and he has to ask for permission, and God knows. And God allows these things, what, to destroy us? No, to bring us to an end of ourselves. And did that happen to Job? You better believe it. Was his faith and courage at the end? Did he know God at the end better than at the beginning? Yes, he did. In fact, he even confessed it. I've heard, you know, I've heard all these things about you, God, but now I see. Because I've been through it. I've experienced experientially walk through this, and I've seen it. But he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent. Notice the dragon. In Revelation, let me me go to this one here. In Revelation 12, verse 9, we see the very first mention of this, of the dragon being the serpent of old, the devil and Satan. We know the serpent of old. He's not only a dragon, but he's a serpent. You recall in Genesis, the serpent speaking to Eve. To me, that'd be a really crazy thing. I wonder if animals back at that time were able to communicate in ways that they they aren't now. And so it wasn't a big deal for a serpent to speak to Eve. Notice she didn't go freak out and go to the R-wing because some animal was speaking to her. It seemed very normal. And the serpent speaks to her and he says, Yea, has God said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. For he knows that when you do, you shall be like him, knowing good and evil. And she was deceived. He's the serpent of old. He's also the devil, the diabolos or diabolos. He is a slanderer, an accuser. He is Satan, who is a uh, the prince of the spirits. He's the one who is opposing the accuser. And notice that he bound him for a thousand years. A thousand years. There's a basic rule of Bible interpretation, and that says, when the first sense makes sense, don't go looking for any other sense. And six times in this chapter it says a thousand years. So it is a thousand years. Just take it like it, because God doesn't lie to you. He doesn't try to confuse you. It's a literal thousand years. But the millennium will be a glorious time, especially for you and I, the redeemed of the saints. It'll be a wonderful time for us because we will be in our new bodies. When the rapture occurs, the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we that are alive and remain, our bodies, just like those who are already dead in the grave, they will receive a new body, and they will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds, and forever we will be with the Lord but our bodies will be changed. Our bodies will be changed, outfitted for eternity. 
You know, you and I, if we're fortunate and we eat really well and we eat, you know, uh, nuts and berries and, 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 and get on the Peloton every day and, and do all those things, we might live, you know, longer. Some people don't. It's kind of ironic. You get the guy, this is the irony of life, isn't it? There's guys who smoke all their life like a bayonet. You know, they're smoking, you know, a pack, two packs of cigarettes a day. They live to be 103, and the guy who's 40 years old dies of cancer. And he's the guy who's on the treadmill and has got the, you know, the six-pack abs and the nice haircut and the great job. And as fit as a, a whistle, you know. And yet the person who is smoking like a chimney is living for 102 years. Doesn't seem hardly fair. But we will be in new bodies outfitted for eternity. Can't get sick. Can't get COVID-19. The news is not going to come on and say there's a new virus from China. This one's really bad too. This one's going to just knock you out. As soon as you get it, two minutes, you're dead. No problem when the millennium. You're like, bring it on. (laughs) Bring it on. But there are some characteristics of the millennium that are uh, worth looking at right now, and I thought we could do that. The first thing is, is that it's going to be a time of, uh, of the resurrection of the just. We know that there's going to be a resurrection. We call it the first resurrection. The first resurrection is actually, a, uh, it comes in phases or stages. It's the first resurrection. And blessed are those who are in that first resurrection. And we'll look at uh, that a little bit. But it's going to be a time of also regeneration. We know that in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, and he was speaking about the millennial reign, and you know that because he says this. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So guess what? We have the disciples. They are going to be judging the twelve tribes of Israel in the millennial reign. It's a time of regeneration. Also, Jesus will be ruling and reigning with King David in some capacity. We know that Jesus will be reigning, but we also know that he's going to allow David, because David, at the beginning of the uh, uh, millennial reign, Somewhere in that period, the Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected and receive their new bodies, including Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and David. And David, because he was such a faithful man, even though he had made mistakes, God is going to set him up in the millennial reign to have some official capacity. And that may sound a little odd to you, and maybe that's the first time you've ever heard it, but let me read to you in Ezekiel 34. It says, therefore, the Lord says, the Lord, uh, says the Lord God to them, he says, behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep because you have pushed the, with the side and the shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock and they shall be no longer a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And notice in verse 23 of Ezekiel 34, I will establish one shepherd over them. Now remember when Ezekiel is prophesying this. He is in Babylon with Judah. You know, sometime around, somewhere between 606 B.C. to 537 B.C., that's when he's alive. That's when he's writing this. Now, how long has David been dead in the grave? About four or 500 years, at least 400 years. 
But notice what he says. I will establish one shepherd over them, because he's speaking of a future event. I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, Jehovah, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. And then in Ezekiel 37, Verse 21, it says, Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. Now we see that happening right now, but we know that there's going to be a greater fulfillment of that in the millennial reign. Notice what he says, And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall be no longer two nations, nor shall they be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. And notice, David, my servant, will be king over them. David, King David. He's going to be resurrected in the millennium and God is going to set him as king. Now he is going to be the king of kings. He is going to be over all things, but it looks as if, and it appears that he's going to allow David to have some official capacity in that kingdom, and he's going to give him that. He's going to give him that authority. He's going to play a significant role in that. David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have all one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwell. And they shall dwell there, they, their children, their children's children, forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. <laughs> I don't know, that was a real eureka moment when, it, when, that, when that understanding came to me, that David, the one who made these huge mistakes... We read about them in in Samuel. Adultery, murder, pride. Forgiven by God in glory right now and will be resurrected in the last day and God will put him in a place of prominence once again. I love that, don't you? I love that. And also the millennial temple will be built in the, in the millennial reign. We know that that's going to be a very prominent fixture in the millennium, is the millennial temple. Remember, we looked at that in, uh, we haven't really read Ezekiel chapters 40 through 47, but there's more written about this millennial temple in these chapters in Ezekiel 40 through 47 than any other place in the Bible. In fact, there's never been a temple built like that. There's actually something, someday I'll, I'll, I'll show you the, the difference between, uh, we, we actually went through that, I think, uh, several, a few months ago where we talked about the different temples. But this temple is going to dwarf any other temple that's ever been built. And the dimensions are very unique. It's never been built. Even the tribulation temple is going to be nothing compared to this temple that God describes to Ezekiel and he writes down. He describes the dimensions of it down to the minutia. And how big it is, exactly how big it is. Uh, he's going to talk about the priesthood and the dividing of the land and the garments and the priests that are going to be serving there. The sons of Zadok that didn't go separate away from the Lord back in the days of King David. Those sons of Zadok are going to be there again serving the Lord as their reward for their faithful service when they were alive on the earth. Isn't that amazing? 
Isn't that amazing? And also, there's going to be a fountain that's going to issue from the temple threshold. We see it in Ezekiel 47. Notice what it says in verse 1 and 2. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, which is toward the Dead Sea, or toward the Jordan River, going down to the Dead Sea, from the front of the temple, or sorry, excuse me, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar, and he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside side of the outer gateway that faces east and there was water running out on the right side zechariah tells it that tells us that it's also going out on the left side toward the west going toward the mediterranean sea and notice what it says in ezekiel going on this is really awesome if you've been to israel this is going to blow your mind because if you've been to the dead sea you understand that nothing can live in that thing nothing is alive in the dead sea hence the name but notice what Ezekiel says about the, the millennial rain and this, this, these waters that are going to gush from the Temple Mount. And the, there's actually geological surveys that they've done, and there, there's a, a deep fissure. It's a crack, basically, in the limestone, way down deep underneath. And they know that crack is there. And it won't take much. When that earthquake happens, when Jesus sets his foot on the mount, or when he comes and, and goes up to the Mount of Olives and that thing splits, believe me, that event is going to send this thing into a tizzy, and water is going to start to gush. And it's going to gush. At some point, it's going to gush. Notice, he says, When I returned there along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters into the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. What sea is he talking about? Well, directionally, you know, he's speaking of the Dead Sea. It's dead, but it's going to be healed. Because fresh water is going to be coming out from the threshold, going to the east, down to the Jordan, flowing down into the Dead Sea, and it's going to go toward the west, all the way to the Mediterranean. And notice, they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. And it shall be that fishermen will stand by it from En Gedi. If you've been to En Gedi, you're standing at En Gedi looking at the Dead Sea. There it is. And fishermen, notice what he says. They will take places for spreading their nets. The fish will be the same kinds of fish in the, of the great sea, exceeding many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. So there will be a portion of it, probably in the southern portion, that will still remain saltish and marshish. But the rest of it is going to be healed. And along the bank of the river, on this side and that, all kinds of trees will be growing for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will, be, will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Because remember, even though the millennial rain is going to be very different from anything we've ever experienced, there's still going to be other people who, have, who will come into the millennium in their natural bodies, unregenerate even. And they're going to need the healing. You and I won't so much because we'll have a new body, but there will be people who will need it still. And so they're going to be there. And Zechariah tells us in chapter 14, verse 8, In that, in that day the living water shall flow from Jerusalem. Notice a whole other prophet telling us the same thing, but he gives us a little more information. The living water shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea, which is... The Dead Sea, half of them toward the Western Sea, which is the Mediterranean. Both summer and winter it shall occur. And notice, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one and his name is one. And the land will be turned into a plain from Geba to Rimon. 
Jerusalem shall be raised up, no doubt from the seismic events that are going to be happening in that day. And the people shall dwell in it, and no longer shall there be utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited for the first time in history, safe and sound. I like that, don't you? What wonderful characteristics, what wonderful things await us in the millennial reign. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, tribulation saints, we are all going to be there. And the curse of the earth will be lifted as well, we believe. Some may not call it the curse of the earth, but I think it's a pretty interesting thing. In Romans 8, it says, The earnest expectation of the creation right now eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who had subjected it in hope. But notice this, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There's going to be something very unique about this millennial reign. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 11, he says, the wolf, the wolf, the wolf, the wolf, notice, notice how unique this time is going to be. And this is what we've got to look forward to. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. These are natural predators. That's like you going out in Southern California as a surfer and you're out there on your surfboard and there's a school of great white sharks. They're each about 17 feet long and they're all females. They're very hungry. And you're sitting out there on your, on your surfboard and they're all surrounding you and they're just like coming by and you tap their fin. They're like, oh, thanks, you know. That's the way it's going to be. The wolf shall lay down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion with the fatling together. Are you kidding me? And a little child shall lead them. A cow and a bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child, check this out, shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, speaking of Jesus Christ, spoken of us in, uh, um, earlier in the chapter, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. What a glorious time we've got to look forward to. In Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 5, notice something else about this time. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer. The tongue of the dumb will sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Streams in the desert. The parched ground will become a pool. The thirsty land springs of water. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Now I'm just skipping down. Verse 9, it says, No lion shall be there, nor there any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall, be, it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And notice, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion, the king It'll come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Boy, that sounds like a relief, doesn't it? I am so looking forward to that day. A thousand years on this earth. And for all of you, or any of those listening, or, or hear this on the radio later on, uh, if you're concerned about climate change, and that in you know, 12 years, if we don't stop our, you know, we're going to be flooded, the earth is going to flood, it's going to be you know, a big mess. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about global warming. 
Don't worry about climate change. I can tell you that with all of heaven on my side because of what we're reading now. A thousand years on this planet, folks. That means if the rapture occurred right now, a thousand and seven years, this earth is going to be just fine. Thank you very much. Remember that. Remember that. God has it all under control. There's nothing you can do. I mean, obviously, we're going to be good stewards. We're not going to burn tires out in our front yard. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.